Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 82 of According to Flint, the podcast. Thanks to Pendleton Whiskey for their continued support of all things According to Flint and Outside the Barrel, which is kind of our main topic of discussion as we move through today's episode. Joining me later, what better person uh, to discuss, uh, go over some memories and what we look forward to this year at my Outside the Barrel talk show, the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, than the guy that's been at the podium for about 20 years, Kurt Blake, coming to us from Centennial, Wyoming. He will join us in a few minutes, but some quick updates as to really what's going on in the Western sports world and who would ever think. I know up here in the north where we live, it's a, it's a little bit foreign to people that Things are really busy end of November into December, especially now with the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo kicking off, of course, always for a big, we call it 10 days, but it's two weeks in Las Vegas in December. But also with with the shift in seasons that the PBR um, started in the last couple of years, the Unleash the Beast tour of the PBR season is kicking off in full swing Hard to believe, uh, didn't know if it would ever happen, for UTB, Unleash the Beast, major events in December. As we record this podcast, and it is, uh, and this drops as you are watching it, St. Louis this first weekend of the year of December, December 2nd and 3rd. St. Louis, it used to be later in the winter, but at one of those mainstay events as I look back in my career, even back in the day, I remember standing there in my big baggy jeans and a sold-out crowd in St. Louis, still on the schedule. St. Louis, um, then a new one, three days that next weekend, the 8th, 9th, and 10th, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, then to Manchester, New Hampshire, 15th, 16th. Um, listen, these events kind of out in the east, Johnstown, Manchester, and then the 29th and 30th of December, Albany. See, our, now, uh, our crew will, like, go home for Christmas, but as far as our trucks, not necessarily bulls, but our trucks, our seven, eight semi-trucks that travel on the main tour, with sound equipment, screens, every bit of steel, all the shoots, the, the the center stage, that will all stay east. So as far as scheduling goes, pretty convenient scheduling as far as a tour and the lot the logistics of a tour. Good job, PBR. You didn't make them go west coast, east coast. So uh, St. Louis, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, Manchester, New Hampshire, Albany, New York, four big events in the month of December going to be exciting i know tucson went really well um caden bunch with the big win the the guy that we thought the young kid 18 19 years old uh for oklahoma that just rode everything in the team series we wondered okay what's going to happen on the utb series he wins the first event all the usual suspects some great lineups at those so so watching your local market watch on uh ride pass on cbs sports network so that kicking off uh, I will be in St. Louis flying as uh, kind of some extra support, not in the arena, of course, but still a part of the PBR, be in St. Louis for sure. And then from St. Louis right back to Las Vegas, Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. So I have always prided myself in having a connection to Western sports. Yes, worked for the PBR, performed exclusively for the 
the PBR since about 2006, but before that, of course, worked in the arena eight times at the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. And uh, about 20 years of doing Outside the Barrel with Flint Rasmussen, the original talk show of the Western lifestyle, as Kurt Blake likes to say, December 7th through 16th. And really, it's a good chance for me to maintain my presence at the NFR. I'm a rodeo guy. I'm a bull riding guy. Put whatever letters you like in front of them, but we're all basically in the same business. And, you know, PBR, Sean Gleason in particular, told me years ago, if we ever have events in December for some reason, that was before the season shifted, he said, you have a value to us at the Wrangler NFR. And I believe I do. And it's a connection there. Uh, little history on my Outside the Barrel show. Years ago, I was working the rodeo in Rapid City, South Dakota, and Jim Sutton, famous, legendary stock contractor, known for his creativity and his innovation in the Western sports world, came to me and said, I, I'm going to do a talk show uh, after the rodeo one night at Rapid City. Rapid City, if you've ever been there, and I've told this story, there's a an arena... That the Civic Center, now they've built a new arena. Down the hall, a big theater. And they, and they do a lot of plays, concerts there, you know, touring Broadway shows. Said, we're going to do it in the, uh, the, the theater, 25 bucks a person, two free drink tickets. And I said, famously said, why are you telling me what role do I play? And he said, oh yeah, you're the host. So I did that for a couple of years at Rapid City. Then our friend Tommy Joe Lucia called me and he was doing a brand new trade show at Mandalay Bay one year in about 03. And he asked if I would come and do a stage show in the middle of the afternoon. He said, gives people something to do besides shopping. So we had a stage and there's straw bales around it. And I had some, a vendor of the day, some rodeo contestants, Jim Shoulder. I remember Jim Shoulders coming on, John Growney, just some very unique guests. The next year, I had some connections at Cowboy Christmas, which the is the official trade show of the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, and it is produced, put on, however you want to say it, by Las Vegas Events. They recruited me over to, um, over to Cowboy Christmas, built us a closed-in set. So really, that's kind of what I consider my years of officially having that talk show outside the barrel at... Uh, uh, Cowboy Christmas. So um, we are, by the way, 12.30 p.m. Pacific time every day. So live, 12.30 Pacific time. So everybody watching, that's 1.30 where I'm sitting right now in the mountains. 2.30 Central time, 3.30 Eastern time live every day. Um, if you are watching this podcast on YouTube, We'll be live on YouTube, but Facebook, my Tuesday night Facebook live broadcast right on my public Facebook page, Flint Rasmussen, it will be broadcast live on those, um, on those platforms. And as we talk right now, we are ride pass on Pluto TV, no finalized schedule, probably a, a same day delay to air later. Uh, so watch for us on ride pass as well on a schedule. I haven't quite got a schedule nailed down on that as I'm speaking right now. Also, I am 
outside the barrel, not on Cowboy Channel. However, the one thing that is is the Montana Silversmiths nightly go-round buckle presentations at Vegas Cowboy Central, the South Point, uh, my second home in uh, Las Vegas, Mr. Michael Gaughan, whose name is on the sign, Ryan Growney, the general manager, and the whole gang there at the beautiful South Point showroom. I host those, or I don't know if Joe Beaver helps me or I help Joe Beaver. We co-host the legendary Hall of Famer Joe Beaver and I nightly. So that is uh, 9.30 Pacific time live on the Cowboy Channel, 10.30 Mountain Time. You guys can do the math. I just did it for you. So the buckle presentations are uh, live on Cowboy Channel. That's a fun time. Uh, I would suggest if you are in Las Vegas and going to the Wrangler NFR or not going to the rodeo, just around town, a lot of people end up on the Strip, get out to the South Point. The real Cowboys are out at the South Point. It's a great atmosphere. It's affordable. The food's great. The drinks are great. I mean, I think I think you can still get a Pendleton and water for three bucks. I think you can. It's true. You were just there. Where are you? Looking? Yeah, it's close. Uh, that's, that's a great place. Get there early. Find a spot to stand or grab a booth in the showroom. It is overflowing with people every single night. There used to be a lull in the middle of the week where the dance floor would be open. and, and Not anymore. And they have great at free entertainment after the buckle presentations. Guys like Aaron Watson and Chancey Williams and and Randall King, I mean, just some great entertainment. Cody Johnson played there in that showroom after the buckle presentations until Cody Johnson was huge, and he wanted to stay, and and Michael Gaughan said, it's creating a mess. We can't pay you what you're worth, but Cody Johnson loved playing there, so it's been through the years a really great experience, and Joe Beaver brings some amazing knowledge. I kind of drive the ship a little bit on that deal, I've always said, like, uh, working with Kate Harris and Matt West, uh, you know, on the PBR teams with pre-shows and world finals with pre-show, I've always said, they drive the ship, I just look for icebergs. I get to drive the ship a little at the buckle presentations, and Joe Beaver brings all the knowledge about all the timed events horses are riding. Interview the go-round winners and present them their Montana Silversmith buckle and a bottle of Pendleton whiskey every night, nine nights. We don't do the 10th night. Nine nights at uh, 9.30 Pacific time at the South Point. Uh, hotel, spa, casino, showroom, great times. Um, I said what better person to talk about outside the barrel, a man who's been there uh, since, since I first moved to Las Vegas events and the Cowboy Christmas. We will talk more about that. The one and only, he's, uh, you're wondering maybe what the shirt's for, Larry Dice, coming to us from just outside of Laramie, Wyoming, from Centennial, Wyoming, the liquor store connoisseur himself. Kurt Blake coming up, but I talked about the Montana Silversmiths buckle presentations. All of the Cowboys, their main goal is to get a go-round buckle and then that gold buckle from Montana Silver, Silversmiths. A word from there, Kurt Blake coming up.
Welcome back to episode number 82. Coincidentally, might be the year Kurt Blake graduated from college. No, you never graduated from college. The one and only, <laughs> I, never. I, I always say, do you know that when I'll say to somebody, do you know Kurt Blake? Um, And I'll say, he's the guy at the podium at my show. Oh yeah, that guy. Like from being on my show, I think it's funny that you now go places and people say, aren't you the guy on Flint's show? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I aspire to my whole life is to be that guy that they recognize me, but nobody really knows who I am. I was trying to come up with an analogy in like big time. Maybe it's the guy that was always Michael Jordan's bodyguard or something. You're that guy to me. Like you're, you're the guy that's always with Flint. That's you. There was always the villain in the action films that you saw him a thousand times or, or the good guy or whatever. And uh, you never knew who he was, but he was in every, every movie. Yeah, that's right. You say, Hey uh, man, I met uh, such and such. I saw him in the airport. Who's that? Well, he was, um, he was in, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the perfect guy who I'm friends with that is that guy. See if you know Rex Lynn. I'm friends with Rex Lynn. Do you know who Rex Lynn is? No, I don't. Well, right now he's Reba's Show boyfriend. Reba's boyfriend. Oh, okay. But he's bald. Yeah. Okay. Every He was in everything from Rush Hour to Cliffhanger to CSI Miami. CSI Miami. Did you ever watch that? And uh, he was the partner the bald partner to the main character see you're my rex lynn and i'm, I'm gonna tell partner. her <laughs> i'm gonna tell rex <laughs> i should i should call rex and see if he's gonna be in town and bring him on the show and that would be a great connection that that's not a bad idea that yeah, would that's not a bad idea uh and then i would know who he is then you'd know <laughs> and we would tell him oh i have two questions for you before we really get into the meat and potatoes here, like this is groundbreaking material we're going to cover today. Number one, are you wearing pants today? Are you wearing, because you warn me all the time that you're not going to wear pants when we do it. <laughs> I, I did because I had to go out and feed earlier and it's still a little chilly. And my, uh, my stone glacier vest only goes from the waist up. So How about that? Nice I little plug. Pants on. <laughs> it was chilly outside. <laughs> the water was cold, Jerry. The water was cold. <laughs> what the, I was what just the, in the pool. What? You're in Centennial, Wyoming, but I've been to your place. What the hell do you have to feed? What do you feed? Moose? What? I moose. I feed moose. I feed deer. My wife is fond of two horses that we can't ride because they're too old. I have seven ducks that I can't eat. Uh, I've got two dogs that are that never have have never barked at, at an intruder. So uh, yeah, she keeps me pretty busy with all of her pets. Wow, that's an that's an efficient ranch. <laughs> and elk, yeah, <laughs> elk are elusive creatures. They're elusive around there, just hanging out by your house. Yeah. Unless, unless your wife leaves the gate open to the, uh, the stack of alfalfa that you, yeah. you spent all of your, uh, 
Yeah, all of your allowance money on. Um, what was the temperature in Centennial, Wyoming before the sun came up this morning? Uh, that's a good question. It, it was below 20. It was somewhere between 10 and 20. Yeah, that's not bad. That's normal, right? This time of year, you live at like 8,000 no. 8, feet or something up there, right? Yeah, and after the last weekend, that cold spill that came through, and you know this because you you grew up in Montana, you finally get a day that's 10 or 15, and you don't even put a coat on. You think, man, this is great. This is warm. No, a stone glacier vest because your arms are warm, but your body is cold. <laughs> you you ordered yeah. you ordered stone glacier stuff and put my name in the where you found out about me, right, about them. Yeah, well, in, in full disclosure, I was wearing Stone Glacier stuff before you became a Stone Glacier guy. You, and you know, you know me, I, I, I like the outdoors and, and I'm kind of a gear guy. And I stumbled across their stuff at the, uh, I saw an ad at the Corral Cafe outside of Big Sky, Montana, a couple of yeah. years ago. And I, yeah. I picked up some of their stuff. Yeah, I know. We know the Corral quite well, right? It's down, <laughs> yeah. it's off the hill from Big Sky and down the highway. So it still feels like Montana a little bit. That's, yeah, that's my point. kind of place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Hey, by the way, I think I am correct. If you think back and I could figure it out by how old Taylor Swift is, because the first year we went to Cowboy Christmas, first year I went and I had you, I asked Tommy Joe Lucia, who the hell do I get to do my show if I'm at, Cowboy Christmas. And he said, Kurt Blake, he can do anything. Just get Kurt. And we knew each other, but not great. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. We, yeah. we were acquaintances. We had the little tiny set that was all enclosed. Remember, I was all concerned that it was enclosed and it seated about a couple hundred people, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And I believe that was 2004. I thought because unless it was Oh five, because I thought I worked the NFR two years that we were doing it or only, did I only do it one? Do you remember? I don't remember, but I would be inclined to say it was 2005 because we ended up, uh, I think we had Larry, the cable guy for the first time that year. Yeah. And, uh, we had stumbled through the first year and done a lot of a lot of dumb things and had had a few guests and then we came back the second year and thought we've got this dialed in and we just had some dumb luck and scheduled some great guests and and then uh, can i tell but, that taylor swift story well and but we had them on the first year because we had that little it was in that little tiny set yeah. And Larry, and we, I remember group, Larry came in out the side and that was the first year we did it. And we had all this, I think it, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. I, but I was no, thinking, Oh, four, but maybe it, I was thinking, I, I don't remember. I, well, I really don't. Here's my point. We got, we should look back because Kurt, if it was 2004, you know what that would make this year? 20 years, 20 or 20th year. So wow. we need, we kind of need to find that out to maybe, I don't know, make some t-shirts or something. I don't know. I, what, what, what's, what's Logan doing right now? Can't he Google when Taylor Swift's first album came out? Because it was, <laughs> oh, week, it came out a week after that. It was her song, Tim McGraw, 
when you think Tim McGraw, um, uh, it was number like 18 on the charts that week. We had Chris Young and Taylor Swift on the show the same day because we had access through the ACM. Remember they said, do you want some up and coming? But we did, we didn't get Taylor through the ACM. We, uh, we got Taylor because her mom contacted me and had this girl that her daughter played guitar and sang. And at that time we were struggling to get guests and, and I thought, uh, this is, I don't want this to be a high school talent show, but we didn't have a choice and we had to fill a spot. And, and so I reluctantly said yes. And we booked her. Yeah. And, uh, and then after that, she went from 18 to one. <laughs> yeah. Here's this tall skinny was, Hey, was she not the coolest girl ever to Taylor oh, Swift? So, so humble and and nice and charming and polite and from everything i've seen uh she hasn't changed a bit i mean yeah, her, yeah i i would i wouldn't trade places with her that looks like a hectic life and i wouldn't want to kiss travis kelsey yeah but i might trade places with travis kelsey hold on we'll, we're getting the scoop here hold on <laughs> i'm gonna put my glasses on taylor swift pouring it on december 3rd 2006 but did she come back the next year? Something because Tim McGraw came out in January of 2006. So that would make it, sense if it's right before 05, December of 05. December of 05. I think that's wrong. I think that was maybe 05. That, maybe that maybe. Yeah. I think, okay. So, so yeah, I think it was 05. So maybe we're 19th year, 2005. Do you know that three years later, Three years after, ta- it would get, look at us even getting on the Taylor Swift band. <laughs> um, three years later, Taylor Swift was uh, doing a concert with Rascal Flats in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I was up in Shoto, which really is, you know, four hours to Calgary. Went through Randy Bernard, my old boss, and said, are you still that record company guy? He, they were all friends. I said, I'd like to take Shelby and Paige. To Taylor Swift. They love Taylor Swift, of course. By the way, she also, when she, another way to get it nailed down for sure is to check her age because her birthday is in Jan, in December and she was about to turn 17. She was 16. Mm-hmm. You are 16 going on seven. So we can check that. <laughs> anyway, three years later. So Randy gets us tickets. Me and Katie and the two girls go up, spend a night in Calgary, go to her concert. We go to pick up our tickets. We have backstage passes to meet Taylor Swift. Well, it's one of those. She's standing there and there's a line of people and they get our picture taken. I said, girls, just hang in the back. You know, don't get caught up in the line. We're the last ones. Her mom's standing there looking over the line. And I walk over to her mom and my girls are getting their picture taken with Taylor. I said, listen, I don't expect you to read. Remember me? I just want to say Taylor was, and she kind of went like I was going to be one of those people. And I said, but Taylor was on my show in Vegas. We had a little talk show and she went, oh my God, Taylor, it's him. It's Flint. (laughs) She runs and hugs me. She remembers every bit. We stand there for like 10, 15 minutes and visit. She posted my girl's picture on her website and it was great. That was three years later. So I defend her around every corner for sure. The, the, uh, 
the only thing I could think while you were where you were telling that whole story is I kept having this mental image in my mind of you standing in line with a thousand teenage Swifties <laughs> and their stands split. Her at that time they were not Swifties yet. <laughs> and there was not a thousand of them at that time. It was, you know, probably 40 people and but she was cool. Anyway. Um I, Chris, I, yeah. I had the same same experience in Tampa one time with Matt West. We went to a uh Miley Cyrus concert because they were they had the concert the night before our event. We thought we'll just go check it out. And after about four songs, I looked at Matt and I said, This just feels weird. Can we just leave? Because <laughs> you're <laughs> you're sitting in just a sea of teenage girls screaming like crazy. And their moms, their moms were the crazier. Oh yeah. I, I just wanted to leave. Yeah, it they came for Hannah Montana and got Miley Cyrus. Imagine the shock. Yeah. <laughs> uh they wanted best of both worlds. They got to see every bit of her world with the big fake dick. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm I'm not even I don't even know her. I'm not even her dad. I felt uncomfortable, uncomfortable <laughs> enough to leave. And you you know me. You know that I love awkward situations. Oh, you're the worst. Yeah. Yeah. If it made you uncomfortable that I got to write that down. Yeah. 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 Uh, so how old is Taylor Swift? I would think in 2005, no, that's his demographic. Cause it was, it wasn't Oh six because I work. She see now I'm doing the math. She couldn't have been on my show in 06 because I was done doing the NFR. And I remember I worked the NFR, but she turns, what's her birthday? December 13th. Yeah. It was a week before her birthday and she was going to turn seven. I still think it was, I think it was 05 that she was on. Yeah. Damn it. I was thinking here we had this big 20 year thing at 19. We'll go 19 anyway. Um, okay. Speaking of when we first did that. What in your mind was the goal of the, I know what I was kind of setting out to do. What do you think our goal was originally? Cause to me, I kind of had goals like here, first of all, and, and I had us Logan, when he built our graphic this year, put the original, there was no, this was all new yeah. doing this kind of thing. What was our goal? What do you think our goal our primary goal was to introduce the fans to the contestants on a on a more personal level to to humanize these contestants. They weren't just a a uh, a picture in a Wrangler ad or or a, a little interview that they'd seen. We you you were working the NFR. You knew these contestants on an intimate level. You knew their kids, their families, their history, and it was just a fun way to let the fans meet these contestants. And we just have fun doing it. We didn't take, we never took it too serious. Um, it doesn't take very long for people to take things for granted that are out there. Cowboy channel now. Okay. So RFD TV became a presence a few years later and cowboy channel. And now they're throwing mm -hmm. cowboys. And I don't mean this in a bad way. They're throwing cowboys in front of the camera. I mean, guys would be the last few years, come on our show, sit backstage, then go on the Cowboy Channel's next show 
Then they go over to the next show. So I think people now take for granted that access. But if you think back when we started, the NFR was on ESPN two delayed two hours or whatever. Then it was on CBS sports network. There was not a presence all day. Like there is now you just got on, watch the rodeo. No. They'd say, what did you think of that horse? So we were, remember calling, I could call any contestants and they'd go, now, what are you doing? Well, we do this show and it's like a talk yes. show. And Oh, cool. You bet. Like we could fill up with Cowboys. It's not that way anymore. Yeah. It's no, no. And, and, and I, I don't want to date us, but you and I both, uh, are old enough to have gone to the original cowboy Christmases that were out at Cashman Field, you know, and and they were they were done by Chris Woodruff naturally, but that was the first idea of an expo or a gift show, and then Las Vegas events came in and and started one, and and so we were all just we were learning as we went, and it, but it was fun, it, man, it was a blast. Remember, we kind of advertised it as. Hey, husbands, your wives are sh wives are shopping. Come, come sit down, and we'll entertain yeah. you. And it, it was so foreign. Everybody, I was like, "What? What's it, in here?" Well, they come by, in by and the, go, "What's in here? What? It, what's this?" Remember? And we'd get we'd get a stage, just a stage, and furniture, and we had, uh, I think, Chuck Lopeman and then Mark Stevenson brought our own sound uh decorate we went to walmart and bought christmas decorations it was kind of more fun <laughs> those were there was something refreshing about nothing else going on because i it, it there was a feeling in me that we were doing something that people really i'm not trying to take away from anything else really admired like wow this is almost groundbreaking a talk show at a rodeo cowboys i remember calling roy cooper on the phone hey i'm doing this show will you come on yeah whatever flint you know fred whitfield we give fred whitfield and then we had access to to singers through the acm or whoever were we just dumb and naive at thinking everybody'd be excited about this or was it a little of both that they were excited too I, uh, no, I think it was a little of both. I, uh, I, I, yeah, first of all, yes, we were dumb and naive. We didn't, I, I can say this now, looking back after almost 20 years, we really didn't know what the hell we were doing. You knew how to entertain people. Uh, as far as the interviewing part of it and the, you, you were green. You didn't really know what to do. And you yeah. stressed about that a lot. I knew a little bit about putting on events and mostly rodeos and bull ridings, but a live talk show, I didn't have an idea. I knew that we needed guests, but I, I didn't know. And we, we went, we, we learned as we went and, and now uh, that to a little pat on the back moment, we did so well that people said, this is great. This is a great idea. And an imitation, they say, is the highest form of flattery. Well, we ought to be flattered to death by now. <laughs> We're flattered out of our asses, man. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, because at the stage, the area stage at, at Cowboy Christmas has turned into that used to be Flint stage. It, I mean, that's just a fact. I'm not, it, that's yeah. our set. And it kind of started that it transitioned the year that RFD TV wanted to carry everything. They did our show. Then there was a country music concert after it. It was the big curtained in one dark in there. Remember? Yeah. And, uh, uh, and that's when it kind of started. Everybody, you know, said we need to have content. We need to give people entertainment on these stages all day long. We need, is that a good or a bad thing? It, I, 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 I get now I'll, 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 I will preface it with this. We always talk about being a sporting event, like other sporting events. I would imagine final four super bowl, those big events, they probably have, content on their stages all day too so i'll preface it with that yes i will and i'll use the sports analogy when game day was in bozeman and you went to it did you see them use that stage the rest of the day for other sports talk shows uh, uh it, no. it's a no it was long. it was 10 below zero so yeah. no <laughs> but but i i remember when there used to be just Coors and Budweiser and everybody was happy. And now you walk into a store and there's 25 cooler doors of craft beers. And, and I understand that you need a choice, but it's become so diluted that, that, that you, I don't know the best way to put this. There's, there's no, uh, there's nothing special. I mean, it's special. It's great. That's not the right way to put it. But it's diluted that the, the audience now, which one are we going to, who are we going to see, uh, do do we get free giveaways on this show, or do we get a chance to meet Wayne Newton on this show, or or do I get to go see uh, Stage Kimsey, or Sage Kimsey on this stage? Uh, it's almost too many choices, and when you get to Las Vegas and you go to the NFR, the, the whole town is an event, and it's great. But it, there is so much to do now, and it's a little overwhelming. And I'll go back to where when we first started this, and our, our parents would go, you know, Stan and 2D'd get up and say, well, you want to go walk through the trade show, and then we'll get some dinner, take a nap, and we'll go to the rodeo. Now, you can get up at 6 in the morning and go until 2 in the morning and, and just be overwhelmed with all the choices that there are. Which I get I, back to your question. I guess it's a good thing. It gives the consumers choices, and and it it has caused us to to learn more about it and to step up our game to to still want to be the best. Yeah, I I think it's created frustration within me and frustration of you with me a little bit me with, we don't get frustrated with each other, but we go back right. and forth talking about what, listen, I don't just pile up with contestants anymore. First of all, I'm very picky. I want a conversation. I want it fun. I, I, I honestly don't, if there's a good story about a guy's horse and horse of the year and what you're running, I, you know, I think of a guest I booked for this year, Sue Smith, who I've done for a long time, maybe not the most well-known barrel racer there, but she's run three generations of horses herself that she owns. I think that's a great story, but, uh, man, your steer last night, he didn't break very hard and he kind of ducked off to the right. How do you handle that? I, you know what? I just, uh, to me, that's not the show I'm doing. That's Western sports roundup. 
Okay. Yeah. I I want fun. And, and honestly, there's that same list. We can go through the years and talk about the Cowboys that worked that we had yeah. over and over. Uh, you know, the first one that comes to my mind, Casey Field. Casey. Yeah. Unbelievable. Great guest. Um, you know, we had Trevor Brazil and Patrick Smith, the comedy duo of, you know, uh, you know, there's just those repeat customers because you know, when they show up, they're bringing some stuff that people will be entertained by. Right. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't realize, and this is a little behind the scenes stuff is we get contacted a lot by, by different sponsors and they say, Hey, we have, our endorsees in town we want them to come be on the show and you and i discuss it and say they're they're not a great interview they don't they don't bring something good and and we haven't i've been really proud of the fact that we've never succumbed to that you know that we haven't that that we've put the the content and the quality of the show ahead of just oh x and x sponsor is sending somebody or or so and so is a world champion he might be a world champion, but he might be a terrible interview. He not, may not be good for the show. Uh, not that he's not a, he or she isn't a great guy. They're just not relatable and they don't fit. They're, they're not entertaining. We're not entertaining our guests. And I, I think back when you talked about uh, Casey Field and I think about Sage Kimsey and it, we, we've been doing this show long enough. You get to see their careers from start to end. And if you'll remember, and, and I'll use both of those as an example, there were times when they were just little 20-some-year-old turds that uh, were living the Vegas lifestyle, and we were wondering whether or not we were going to have a guest on our show at 15 minutes to airtime. <laughs> remember? <laughs> hey, and Sage, I don't know if he watches it, but I'll tell him we talked about him. He had he was scheduled on that last Saturday morning. Saturday's hard. We, the last Saturday of the NFR, we we hardly try to get a contestant because they're done. Yeah. They're done by them. It's, they don't want to do any more shows. They don't need any more appearances at that time. We didn't care. We had Sage Kimsey. He had secured the world title the night before might've been his first one. Yeah, it was his, his first, first one. one. And he called me, he called me an hour before and said, dude, I, man, I, I'm just not gonna be able to make it. I said, bullshit. You are. <laughs> and I made him come and he was wearing the same clothes. He had been yeah. out all night and we made him come to our, he, we made him show up that morning and he was great. And he's been great ever since. And, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I remember you having the little fatherly talk with Sage about how now you've reached the next level and you have, responsibilities to your fans and to your sponsors and and uh you're you're not anonymous anymore everybody knows who you are <laughs> i did <laughs> i still think and this uh, everything we're saying doesn't have anything to do to take away from people who are doing shows and stuff you know it's yeah. just it, it it it's uh you know i've questioned how long i want to keep doing it i um get a little lost in it sometimes but i mean as we sit here as we record this a week before we're starting we have empty spots on our show and I, I will say i mentioned this uh to the guys here you have said for a long time hey 
do we leave some open spots later in the week for things that happen during the week or we run into somebody and it scares me and I'm always like, no, no, yeah. no way. And I kind of start thinking that way a little, man, what if we run into somebody? What if we can, it, it's not real rare where things would come up, right? No, every, every year there's something that comes up. There is, there is a, uh, there, a contestant has done something or a judge has made a ruling or, or we bump into, uh, we bump into Ron White or we bump into Bill Ingball and he says, Hey, uh, Ron White's in town. Why don't you give him a call? I'll call him for you. Yeah. You just never know. And, and I've always been afraid and it's a fine line. And, and you and I are both uh, we're a little different in these ways is that I like to have the flexibility and, and I've always been, well, the something will pop up kind of guy because it always does. But there's, when you get on that plane to Vegas and you have empty spots, there is that, that fear, that anxiety of what are we going to do Ooh, on yeah. this? Yeah. And you know what I say stresses me more. You know why? Cause it's your picture on the, on the poster. <laughs> it's my name on the sign. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can go, I can go over to the beer stand or I can go sit in the, in the green room and have cocktails, but you still have to stand out there and make it. a. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about things come up or Patrick Gotch walks up and says, I want Debbie Dunning on the show. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not this year. Too soon. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could have her on with the, uh, me and Reba's boyfriend, because that's a, that was the girl from tool time. Nobody, yeah, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody I, knows. You gotta remember Rex. I could get his number. That's funny. <laughs> um, okay. Probably we have, we've had classic, um, we've done walk arounds filmed the race where you had my daughter who is a state track champion fill in. We've done little bits. Um, but maybe the most interesting process of getting a guest, we've tried to get Garth Brooks and George Strait and can't. Uh, probably the most. Now, I did leave George Strait a voicemail. Yeah, on, you did. You did on, from Fred Whitfield's phone, wasn't it? No, no that, was, it, that was Charles Barkley. I left George Strait a song, uh, on Tough Coopers. Yeah. Or, or Cliff Cooper, one of them. And got a call back from his publicist or something. Hey, thanks for the message. And uh probably the most well, I kind of ruined that whole George Strait thing at at the South Point one night. So that's a whole different story. But I'll, I'll take the hit for George Strait not coming. <laughs> probably the whole process of how from when you contacted me about it to the end was Mr. Vegas himself, Wayne Newton, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had got a lead and a phone number, and I thought it was his publicist and thought it was a long shot, and I'm having dinner with my wife and daughter, and I, I get a phone call, and it just shows where the did you get? Where did you get the number in the first place? What was your lead? Uh, I, I honestly can't remember. It, it was somebody at las vegas events that that i think gave it and and 
I used to call around all the time and, and they would say, yeah, call this person. And it was always just the most frustrating process in the world because you'd have to talk to a guy that knew a guy that knew a guy. And then you'd have to try to drop a name or two so that you had some credibility that they'd call you back. And then you, you'd try to explain to them what you were doing. Uh, uh, yeah, we're at a trade show in the middle of the day in Las Vegas and, uh, in the early days well is it televised that's all they cared about yeah no not but it's a great show i promise you if you'll just come on so i'm i'm, I'm sitting at home and we're having dinner and and the, the the caller id comes up and it's a 702 area code and it's las vegas and i i don't get m many spam callers from las vegas and it was getting close to showtime and i i thought uh, i better answer it so i answered it and it, i said hello this is kurt and he said uh kurt Kurt Blake? And I said, yes. And he goes, Wayne Newton. And I thought, okay, somebody's jacking with me. <laughs> and I, I almost hung up. And he says, uh, I, I heard you had a show and they were telling me about it. He goes, what day would you like me on? And I, I'm trying to be professional and I'm flabbergasted at the fact that I have Wayne Newton on that Wayne Newton called me at home in the middle of dinner. And, uh, we set that deal up and, and Wayne was one of the easiest guests to schedule and coordinate that uh, I've ever worked with. And by far the most gracious, coolest dude ever. Remember when the black SUV pulled up to where we had him, some private parking and it was tinted windows and the driver rolled down the window to ask where to park. And Wayne Newton was driving. He just drove himself there. Yeah, we were in the middle of the show and I keep getting these calls and texts and I'm off stage and Wayne's not there yet. And I. So then I think it's his driver and I have to run outside the building to try to meet and that there was a black escalate and I'm going up to tell his driver and the window rolls down and a hand comes out and he goes, Hey, Wayne Newton, good to meet you. <laughs> and I'm, Holy crap. And uh, remember he told us, uh, you asked him why he drove himself. And he said for the longest time he had a driver and the driver got in a wreck and Wayne decided from that point on, if he was going to die in a car accident, he was going to be the one at the wheel when it happened. <laughs> He was it. Uh, he was on twice. We had him twice, and yeah. at the end of each time, I felt like he treated us like we were doing him a favor. It yeah. was so cool. And when we were done, Mary had his wife and sister in law, and they said, "Well, we're gonna go do some shopping and headed out through Cowboy Christmas." Like, bye, Wis bye, Wayne Newton. <laughs> <laughs> we're Wayneyacks. <laughs> we we could fill a three-hour show with our stories of uh the green room stories that would be just a great segment some of the fun stuff uh and it wasn't at the nfr show but it was in las vegas where ron white was scheduled to be on one of our shows and he didn't show up and when he did holy cow i thought how <laughs> wow this, this guy has had a night you know uh i remember the, pb pbr finals and he came, yeah. showed up, they brought him backstage. And I said, Hey man, cause I'd talked to him at Thomas and Mac the night before at the PBR. And I said, Hey Ron, good to see you, man. You, uh, you wearing the same clothes you were last night when I saw you and he leaned in, he said, you damn right. I am. <laughs> and he was great. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, he, came in, he had this satchel on and he walked in and, and, I was a little annoyed that he hadn't shown up and I, you know, caused me all the stress. I had to call hotel security to do a check on him to see if he was even still in the building to know if we had a guest. And he comes in and he's wearing this satchel. And I said, Hey man, 
nice bag. And he said, yeah, everybody makes fun of it till somebody needs some chapstick. <laughs> uh, well, we don't, I mean, we're, you know, it is a different feel. I think singers, entertainers aren't quite as accessible, even in the last five, six years with social media. We do have repeat people. Ned Ledoux is always welcome on that first Friday. There's just Ned always sings one of his songs and one of his dad's songs. Can't beat that songwriter. When Varble is on a couple new ones, Chloe Fredericks and Kylie Fry, Josh Ward. We always let come sing. Chancey Williams is a regular. You don't want to keep using same people, but there's those ones that are friends of the show that know yeah. what we're about. So every time they come, they bring something a little different. And I like that. There's a security in that. So. Well, you know, one of the one of the curses and blessings of our show is that we have been able to bring in young talent, unknown talent, and have them on the show. And I'm not saying our show is the credit for for their success. What I'm saying is that we've had a great eye and 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 had great luck at getting people before they've gotten huge. And and it's completely understandable that that a, a Cody Johnson, when he gets to a point in his career realistically it's tough for him to come to a midday show in the convention center just yeah. the logistics and the crowd and and so it, it's quite a compliment to us to say yes we've had these gifts we've had taylor swift's we've had cody johnson's we've had the list goes on and on and they've gone on and they've become great and it's still nice when you bump into them in the hallway at the uh up there on your exclusive 25th floor <laughs> at the luxurious South point hotel and casino that you, they still remember us. And, and yeah. those guys not only remember you, they remember me and we have great conversations. It's good. It is cool. Like we're friends with Cody Johnson. I can sit her friend. Aaron Watson is a good friend. Um, mm-hmm. and Cody Johnson showed up one day, just, it was, he's all by himself, him and his guitar. And yeah, this guy used to be a bull rider kind of, and he's starting singing and he, he sang the song. I want to dance her home and which has become a sing along at his big concerts now and, and still a friend good to our families and good dudes. So, um, you become friends with those guys. I become friends with all the band members. Yeah, exactly. We all gravitate to each other. I, I, I was at Walmart yesterday and I run into Wyatt Springsteen, uh, the guitar player for, for Chansey, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I went all the way to Boston to watch Chancey Williams and Ian Munsick, the Munsick <laughs> boys, you know, uh, anyway. You know, they're going to be in Billings, or well, I don't know if Ian is, but Chancey's going to be in Billings here in a week or so. Yeah, I know. I got to leave early, so I can't go. Damn it. Do you leave your key under the, the, the doormat? Leave your key under the mat. Yeah, always you stay know. hum- humble and kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, Another feature we've done in the past, and I want to just reveal – uh, we, we've done a pro fantasy rodeo team in the past. Like you've done one and I've done one. We'll discuss that. We backed off it a little bit. Um, but I'm still in the charity tattoo league, the celeb, the celebrity charity tattoo league, which, um, they invite a group of people, the Bob Tallman's and Steve Kenyon's and Joe Beavers and not Amy Wilson's, not the Kurt play. You're my, you're with me. <laughs> And the way it works, Justin Rumford, whoops, I knocked my, there you go. <laughs> look at, look at me. I'm, I'm knocking stuff down. I, yeah, you're, just, you're into it today. 
I know I'm animated. Um, and it's basically you, people donate, you win money. And I won it one year. The first place person gets to design a tattoo for the last place person. I think in the history of the game, only one person has ever got the tattoo. And it was when I won and, and Justin Rumford lost and he has the tattoo. Um, but I designed a cool barrel with the three stars. His wife had just had triplets and anyway, it's a cool tattoo. So I'm in again, Kurt, and I want you to tell me what you think of my charity tattoo league pro fantasy rodeo team. You in? You good? My, yeah. My unvarnished opinion. Yeah. You're going to tell me I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we do? The way Kurt and I decide like on a team, I think we entered one team last year or something. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. Our discussion is we talk about what we think and then I just do what I want to do. Anymore, right. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty, pretty much it. I was thinking this morning of, of all of our friend group and all of our friends. I I'm your one, uh, your one, I, I wouldn't say adversary, but I'm, I'm the guy that always steps up and says, no, you're a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the, the tattoo league is you have a salary cap. You have eight, eight because the header and the healer are two. So there's seven events, but eight different people you have to pick. They are valued from one to 15, from $150,000 down to $10,000, 150, 140, 130, and so on. You can't just pick whoever you want. The salary cap is $550,000. So the question always is, do you pick middle of the road all the way down and just hope they do well? Or do you pick bottom and then save some who you are, think will win to spend more money at the top? That's always the big debate, right? Do you save yeah. money for somebody that's number one, number two, right? I've tried it both ways. I don't think it doesn't work. We've yeah, never, whatever I did the year I won, I want to win the big game and the truck and the mud, whatever it is. But anyway, here you go. I'm starting with the bareback riding. He is last year's world champion. He's won the NFR aggregate in the bareback riding three every year. He's been there. He had some injuries middle of the year. So he comes in at number 10. That's when you can get people. It's when they're really good and maybe were injured. Jess Pope in the bareback riding. He's all the way down at number 10, so I only had to spend $60,000 on me. Good? You with me so far? Yeah, I think that's a solid pick. I could have picked Casey Field at 16th, but he didn't get to go. So well, that's another conversation. You what? He should have filed a lawsuit. Didn't the team ropers do that? It was a little different, but yeah, but they didn't win. He didn't win. Uh, steer wrestling. Hey, and you know this, that there was a while there. Every person from Montana, if I could pick him, I picked him just because it was fun. You know? Yeah. Well, this is one of those guys. He's not from Montana, but I really like him. And he's scheduled to be on the show as well. He's a, one of those ones that is a little more expensive. I like what he rides. I like him as a dude. He's a good He's just like stereotypical steer wrestler. Will Loomis at number four at $120,000 I had to spend. I feel like a team owner, you know. 
I would have taken him at 150. I he, he's just that solid. And I felt like it was in his grasp last year to be world champ. Um, and some things happen. He's also a college rodeo coach. So I like that story. Okay. What do people do? What is the correct thing to do? I've tried this both ways in the team roping. Do you pick a team or do you pick a header and a different healer in case? Cause if your team goes to shit, then you're done. But if yeah. your team gets on a heater, then you wish you had them both. That's the big, I don't know what the general consensus is there. Well, uh, the two things about the team roping, those are the last ones I pick because they, it's, uh, first of all, I, I don't, I'm not a team <laughs> roper. It doesn't appeal to me. Second of all, the, it's so streaky. It, uh, and so uh, I, and, but to your point, I always separate the team so that it's kind of an insurance thing. Yeah. And I've done that. For the most part, I've done it. I did not wait till the end because I was, when I did this team, I was traveling down the highway and I had a helper in the seat beside me by yeah, the name man. of Shelby and Shelby knows team rope. And she said, pick a team. That team is only 11th in the standings, but it's Clay Smith and Peyton Bray. Peyton Bray has won the average, won the aggregate at the NFR and Clay Smith. I like but there you go, 50000 a piece. So I spent 100000 basically for both. I like that team. So I'm going with the team, and I'm hoping they'll get on a heater. I'm hoping they'll get on a heater, and I'll look like a freaking genius. Okay? So Clay yeah. Smith and Peyton Bray. There you go. Saddle Bronc riding. I'm going with a guy that he always comes in middle of the pack, kind of. And he's a Montana guy, and he's been on the show. And I have a picture of him when he was a baby with me and my makeup at the Dylan rodeo. I think chase Brooks has a little it factor that he tends to win a bunch of money at the NFR chase Brooks from deer lodge, Montana. I'm going with him comes in at number nine for 70,000. Another is, deal is deer lodge. What's that? Isn't that where the state prison is deer lodge? Damn right. It is. You've been there <laughs> to visit all your relatives. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Your uncle did a great job on my license plate. Nice work. <laughs> well, he is talented. Uh, tie down roping coming in at 13th. And I, John Douch, and I'll tell you why I pick him. He's really fast on the ground. He's really aggressive. And he's, he's a kid that Joe Beaver has really helped in not just his career and his life. And I think Joe Beaver will make sure his horses work in. I like that influence. And for 30,000, I'm going with John Douch. I don't know if he can come in, get a bunch of average points, but I think he has some, get some good round money. How's that? I'm deep. So would this be your dark horse pick? What's that? Is this your dark horse? Uh, 13th. No, I got Sue Smith at the barrel racing in 14th. So I did two in a row that are 13, 14, but I like them. Sue Smith set the arena record at Cheyenne on that horse, but the same horse did good indoors, like at Napa in a small arena, that combination means solid. And I know Sue and I know her horse will be working and Sue's a, she's a beast, man. And that's 20 grand. So there, look at what I'm doing there. See? Yeah. I, 
I see where you're headed in the bull riding. Listen, I think bareback riding and saddle bronc riding, when it comes to rough stock, you can pick the number one guy, but it really is going to depend on the horses they draw every night. Because pretty much in both those events, you have those nights that guys buck off, but you can go nights where nobody bucks off, especially in the bareback ride. We went one whole year and nobody bucked off. But the, the event that if a guy just rides consistently and rides something is going to rack up the money is the bull riding. And I just happen to have 150,000 left to pick Stetson right. Stetson Dell right. Stetson Dell right. Now, <laughs> here was my other, here was the, the battle within myself and where I went away. Hey, Sage Kimsey's coming in at number 11. How many, and I'm going to say hundreds or couple thousand people are picking Sage Kimsey at number 11 in the bull riding. Uh, how many people are going to do that to save money and stack up the rest of the way? I needed to do something. I try to do something in these events that not everybody does because you have to have something that pushes you ahead of other people, right? Right. You know, and and I've looked at it this year and I've looked at my team and I still haven't made all my selections yet. But uh, I've come to the conclusion I don't have to spend my my full five hundred thousand. Uh, the best team may not may not be worthy of of all the draft money you have to spend. Yeah, it's just a cap. It's not a requirement. Yeah. I usually end yeah. up doing it. Yeah, and see, I'm going. I in the team roping. I, I first I like the guy, but second I I can never bet against Derek Begay. Derek Begay. Yeah, I know. He's just he's just solid and he's he likes the big moments. Uh in the bronc riding, I'm leaning towards uh Brody Cress because he's been there, he's got the world, he's got the championship buckle. Vegas isn't too big for him, and he's one of those guys that you said that just rides consistent. Uh-huh. I knew so you'd I, pick I knew you'd pick Brody Cress. Bus, he was a state champion wrestler in Wyoming. So. Yeah, yeah. Dale, out there, out there by where my wife was raised. Yeah. Uh, and then I, the bull riding, I, I'm I'm a Josh Frost fan. I, I like, and and he he's always one of those guys that that is never you don't you don't see all the big flashy headlines about, but he is always right there in the mix. And at the end of the night, when they write go round checks, his name is usually on one of them. True. I love Josh. I think he's a cool dude. Yeah. 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 So what'd you pick? Uh, what real quick, what are your other events or not? Are you not done yet? I, I haven't settled yet in the, the bareback riding. And, uh, I think, uh, I think maybe rocker, you know, uh, flash. You know, yeah. Flash is going to win some rounds. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm with you on Will Loomis. Uh, I just, I like the guy and I think he's solid and uh, he does a great job. It's hard to bet against Ty Erickson though. Oh man. Yeah. Tyler Wagg is, I love the steer wrestling. One of my favorites. Yeah. Love the steer wrestling. Yeah. And uh, well, now I just drew a blank. Never mind. There was, there was a guy that was a guest on our show a few years ago, the steer wrestler from Wisconsin. Uh, Nick guy, Nick guy. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I drew a blank there. But he he's on my list too because he he's just one of those guys that 
sneaks in and wins a little bit of money here and there yeah. uh, throughout the week. I think the two that is are going to be the popular with people that I did not, the reason I did not do this guy, I think so many people are going to do it is, is Sage in the bull riding and uh, um, Haley Kinzel in the barrels because she's down there ways too. And I think people, Ooh, what a bargain. That's why I didn't do that. Cause I think yeah. there needs, you need to have a factor that sets you apart from the rest of the crowd. If you want to win and by God, I want my God, you're set apart by God. <laughs> by God, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. Okay. So, so you, yeah. When you, when you look down the ca our calendar for this week uh, or for the upcoming week in the show, what, what day are you most excited about? Um, well, let me see. Uh, da, da, da. a couple, I always like Ned Ledoux. There's something about him that day. I have Ned, Dawson. Hey, I have Derek, the team of Derek Begay, Coulter, Todd, you know me, I don't have many team ropers on Derek no. told me his partner had to come. Uh, on the first Saturday, Cade Sonier and Tristan Hutchings, both standout college rodeo uh athletes um Cade's a bareback rider Tristan's a bull rider but he's a steer wrestler in college rodeo just lost his mom a few weeks ago so um but with them is singer mostly songwriter Win Varble and he's written some number one hits and has great stories behind him so I like that um on uh Thursday Mo Bandy is going to stop by on the second Thursday uh Corb Lund is a popular guest, has so many good stories. He just said, hey, are we going to do the last Saturday, just you and me? I said, so he's the only guest that booked currently. And he said, yeah. if it's just you and me, we're going to pregame. That was his request. <laughs> and you, I think, uh, yeah. So have you heard his new song uh, that they've been playing on Outlaw Country lately? The, that old time uh, drunken thing? Are you going to drunken sing? feeling? Yeah. 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 Um, not on now that we're yeah and i'll bring this up with people now our show's gonna get how to say it fun again because we, we get to go back to being pg-13 <laughs> we don't have to, oh, oh gosh and oh golly and you know, we can kind of be we i we're, we're pg-13 is as far as we'll push it but yeah <laughs> well honestly i wanted ian munzik really wanted to come on the show on the very first day um, he didn't tell you, but we, instead we have musician Carson Jeffrey and up, up and coming guy with Cody Teal and Jesse Brown on day one. But I so bad in my head until I talked to Ian and he, he did, he said, I'd love to go. He's got to fly up to Seattle that day, but I wanted him to sing the song. I don't know if you know any of his songs. The one that, uh, the catch line is I'd rather smell cow shit every morning than to put up with her bullshit every night. <laughs> I want like, can we sing that here? Cause that's my favorite song of Ian Munsick's. <laughs> what are they going to put you in Facebook jail? <laughs> yeah. Good point. Facebook jail. I don't know. There's people get in, put, put in Facebook jail. So yeah. But do you have a jail? What's that? Does YouTube have a jail? YouTube jail? Nope. No YouTube jail. We're golden. Yeah, but we could get put into Las Vegas events jail, which means we don't get to come back. So. Well, it was a hell of a run. 
if, if you ever want to get banned from Las Vegas events, pretty much just have Forey Smith on your show. And that'll, <laughs> that'll get you pretty close. <laughs> That's the day we got a talking to remember. That's the yeah. day. But, but you can turn on network television and see him do the exact same thing. And it, everybody's fine with it, but yeah. on a midday show, you know, on you cowboy channel. <laughs> yeah. No, he, no, no. The 80 year old rancher from, from North Dakota. No, they don't like no. that as well. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Well, hey, glad that this was, I don't know if it had a real theme today, but just wanted to get everybody ready for what's coming up. NFR PBR season really kicking into high gear. So, uh, lots going on. Um, I, I well, think about, I, you know, uh, a week, a week from right now, we'll probably be sitting at the Coronado cafe with our folders out, uh, getting ready to head over to the convention center so that you can begin your two or three days of stressing of whether or not they'll have the chair set. Yeah. Or if anybody will come to our show every year, nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to come. But just remember, just remember something, Kurt. When you're sitting in that Coronado cafe, eating our eggs Benedict with the, with the beef fillets instead of the ham on it. And you look, and you look down at that placemat. That's my picture on there. (laughs) I, I, I put my cup of coffee on your picture and I just look at Joe. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, we hope everybody's kind of ready. Catch us as we said, uh, on my Facebook, on YouTube, um, working on looking like we're going to be on ride pass on Pluto TV as well. Uh, Kurt will be, it's not a podium anymore. It's like the letter buck saloon or something. Letter buck bar, the letter buck bar. What'd we call it? Yeah. I, I don't know because I was always at the bar. Yeah. True. We can't give away alcohol, but we're going to give away a whole bunch of stuff for you to wear and display that says, I really like Pendleton whiskey. So we don't, we remember, we didn't have to give it away. They just steal it. Yeah, that's true. We don't have to give away the alcohol. Remember the guy stole the bottle, the bottle of Pendleton off the bar when I was standing there I said, yeah. dude, you know- <laughs> <laughs> for everybody, <laughs> what? for example, it's like Costco. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll see you there. All right. Thanks, man. See you, buddy. Yep.